we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he has or he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when, oh, sorry, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that when we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, saying, Abba, Father, so you are no Abba, longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we love the good news of the gospel as it's shared in song and in prayer and in scriptures. We thank you for coming to earth 2,000 years ago, born as an infant child to Mary and Joseph. Thank you that you came to live a righteous life and to die for sinners and to rise again, confirming everything you are and have done was effective. And so now we worship you, having seen you ascend to the Father's right hand. We know that you rule in your body that you got here on earth over all the world, over all the universe, over all planets and stars, over every square inch of reality you declare it to be yours. And we're happy to be among the people who know and love your reign and happily submit ourselves to it. And now in this Christmas Eve, it's our joy and privilege to give ourselves to the, to the privilege of seeing you stand forth from these words of Scripture that have just been read for us in our hearing. Watch over your word to perform it and make Galatians 3, 23 through 4, 7 come alive in power for us even now that we might find the word of God and the Son of God our greatest treasure both at Christmas time and all year long. Awaken faith where faith does not yet exist. In those in this building and those watching by live stream. And for those with faith, let it go from a smoldering wick to a roaring fire. Bless, I pray, the work of your word just now. Through Christ I ask it. Amen. Have you ever noticed how small Christmas is? Have you ever noticed how small everything in Christmas is? There's Joseph, and nobody knows who he is apart from a few verses of Scripture. There's Mary, and she was a teenager. She was a virgin and insignificant in the history and the eyes of the world. She came from a small tribe 
in a very small nation. And that small nation lived in a very small, backward, impoverished, tiny little corner of the globe. And they lived at a time where everything they were doing was small. In fact, her relatives were shepherds. And all they would do is is almost like homeless people, they would meander about looking for patches of grass for their sheep. Everything in Christmas time is small. Jesus is born to this Mary, and she's not even yet married yet to Joseph, though they are betrothed. And she's under such derision and shame because here's a young woman who's not even yet consummated her marriage, and yet she's pregnant. So small, so rejectable, so insignificant, even so unclean or shameful in the eyes of the world. And here's Jesus, Christ, the Son of God, born in the flesh as a baby in a tiny little backwater town that didn't even make it on most maps called Bethlehem, in a stable because there was no room in the inn. Here is Jesus even before being born as a baby, an embryo inside his mother's womb for nine months, tiny and small, and in the eyes of almost everyone in the world, so rejectable, so dismissible, so small, so easily discarded. How easily is the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, being discarded tonight? Oh, there's no hope whatsoever in Deuteronomy, or excuse me, in December 24th. The date, December 24th, means nothing virtually. But isn't that almost the point? Jesus Christ and everything associated with Christmas is is not gilded with gold, and and it's not big and colossal and and cathedral-like. It's not massive and broad in mighty armies and human strength. It's just so small. Why do you think God sent his son, Jesus Christ, at Christmas time in such a small way? Three reasons. Number one, so that by the smallness of Christ's coming, we would see by contrast the magnificence of God's glory. You would see as you gaze carefully at the smallness of Christ that there's something massively glorious happening in the broad, eternal, infinite glory of God being, as it were, laser-pointed in the pinprick into the tapestry of history in the birth of Jesus Christ. The second reason that Christmas is so small is so that everyone would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the tiniest, most rejectable, the most discarded, the most betrayed and oppressed and afflicted and guilt-ridden person who could ever imagine themselves on the earth is the one for whom Christ came. How small do you feel in your life? The person so small as, as sick with illness after generations of addiction in the darkest of inner city corners. The most impoverished child of a slave in Central America or somewhere in Africa. The most dark-minded and confused of tribesmen in the South Sea Islands. 
the person with the longest list of secrets. It's for you that Christ has come. That's why he came in such a small package that no one could say, I have to get my life right and reorder myself before I can come to him by faith. And that's the third reason. He means to highlight faith. He means to say, all that you need to come to me is your need. You can bring nothing to me, for you bring glory to me when you bring only your brokenness, only your weakness, only your smallness and your need. That's what faith is. Faith looks away from all that we are and all that we could find on the left and the right and it opens its open hand before God and it says, I bring to you only my need. I bring to you my emptiness, my brokenness, my hurt, my pain, my shame. Oh, there's so much shame in the world, isn't there? It seems like we've become experts at manufacturing mountains of shame to lay upon one another. Names to call each other. Labels to give each other. Curses to put each other down. Sweet and precious words are being conscripted by curse manufacturers to create new curses all the time. This passage that the Dodies just read for us out of Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 4 promises that when faith comes in Jesus Christ, it brings three new things. And I want to make sure everyone in this room and in the hearing of my voice is enjoying all three of these new gifts, brand new and precious gifts beyond anything you could receive as a material gift at Christmas time. These three gifts are the substance of what faith receives. You see, before faith came in Jesus Christ, there were glimpses of faith in the world before Christ was born, but they didn't know what the object of faith was. I imagine the universe before there was day. That's what the world was like before Christ came. It was just always nighttime. Even when the sun was shining, it was nighttime. Before Christ, B.C., before his birth, might stand for benighted chaos. It was dark all the time. No one knew God as a father. No one ever dared address him that way. And no one could see. The scriptures were candles, as it were. Lights in the darkness. And they challenged everyone to read and receive them and believe in God. But believe in God for what? And believe in God for who? The whole world was waiting for an answer until Christ was born. When Christ came, he brought with him faith. And he gives faith as a gift, the ability to, to seek God, to know God, to open your hands to God and say, I'm yours and I believe that's a gift from God. Look at verses, or listen again to verses 23 through 25 as they were just read a moment ago. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. The same idea is repeated a few verses later in Galatians 4. 
Verse 1, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, also, we were children enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Before you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you might think your whole life is defined by your freedom, but you are enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Your freedom is a myth before you know Christ. You can't help but do dishonorable and wrong things before God. Even when you seek to do good and right things before God, you do them with a selfish, proud motive, and God is not pleased at all. Romans 8, written also by Paul, makes this plain. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You can see why before Christ came, it was eternal nighttime. In your life, before you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you think the bright lights that you can manufacture and own and buy for yourself, or whether you think the bright lights that the world offers you, or the bright lights that the devil offers you are enough, they're not. They always burn out. They always grow dim. Yet it is for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, the first gift that faith brings when it comes is the gift of freedom. Freedom from shame. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from death. Freedom from benighted chaos. That leads to the second gift that faith gives when it comes. I hope you're enjoying that freedom. I hope you can say that freedom is mine because then it leads to the gift of a new identity. New freedom and now a new identity. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's your new identity. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is no male and female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise. Now you have a new set of clothes. Now you have a new identity. Now you have new spiritual DNA. When you receive faith and say to Christ, I'm yours, Christmas isn't just a family tradition. It's not just an American or a tradition of religion, but it's me singing to my Savior and thanking God for giving him to me personally. Then you have new freedom and you have new identity. With your new identity is new desires, new passions, new fears, and new joys. Has that happened to you? Are you born again with those new identity joys and desires flowing in you? The Holy Spirit comes dwelling in your life and you have new fruits and new gifts. Revelation 2 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a stone, a white stone, with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. What does the world call you? What do unbelievers say is your label? How does the devil curse you? What names have you reluctantly agreed to? Foolish? Guilty? Alone? Afraid? Damaged? 
blind, worthless, outcast. But on the white rock, Revelation 2 promises for all who are trusting in Christ, all who've received his faith, there's a new name, and it's a name God has written on the white rock, and he hands it to you. He knows what it is, and when you receive it, you know what it is. If you're in Christ by faith, you know these names already. This is how God talks to you. This is the names that God gives you. This is what faith receives from God. Now in his family and according to his terms for you, he calls you beloved and faithful, cherished and chosen, purchased, holy, beautiful, powerful, loyal, joyful, overcomer precious, and God-seeker. If you have new freedom from the shame and condemnation of the law, you have new identity with all its new names, for you are a member of Abraham's offspring by faith in Christ. You will know who you are when you discover whose you are. And third, This passage not only gives you new freedom and new identity, it gives you a new family. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Since faith frees you and faith recreates you, it then adopts you into your new family. You are now God's beloved. You're held by God. And he becomes not just your judge. He's the creator, the transcendent Lord of glory, the maker of heaven and earth. And now he says, I'm your father. I love you and all that I have is yours. You're my heir. Everything that's mine is yours and I will provide for you and every need you have, I will supply. He's your father. Before Christ came, no one could call God father. It was too intimate. It was too personal. It was too diminishing of God, it seemed, in the eyes of the Jewish people. But the Scriptures plainly say, when Christ came, He adopts us who believe into the family of God, and we're to cry out with the Holy Spirit rising within us, Abba, Father. Abba doesn't mean Daddy. It's much weightier than that. But it also is a word of such close intimacy that you could never imagine calling God the glorious transcendent one of the universe Abba unless you knew him personally and intimately unless his spirit was dwelling within your heart you see this is how faith responds faith cries out to the Lord just the way the the angels came and sang they came to the lowliest of people the the ones just above the homeless in that day in around Bethlehem, and they sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among all those with whom He is pleased. And the shepherds heard the angels singing, and they responded as according to Luke 2, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Do you find in your heart a response like that? 
Do you respond to the new works of faith by saying, let's go. Let, let's go not just to Christmas Eve worship service on Christmas Eve 2021, but let's go to Christ. Let's go. I want to take all that I have and offer it to him. Can you open your hands to the Lord and say, on this night, I'm yours. You receive gold and frankincense and myrrh. You receive gifts of all sorts. I give you my life. I give you my praise. I give you my heart. I give you all my hopes and my dreams. You see, faith can turn to the benighted chaos before Christ was born. Faith can turn and even see how something world-changing has happened when Jesus was born. Something so very different that it could never be diminished or dimmed. I remember when I was a young teenager, I would go out in a Duluth winter, and I thought it was interesting and fun to turn away from a warm home and a nice bed and a nice meal and a working furnace and go camping overnight in the winter outside. And I would build a lean-to, which is basically useless. And sleeping bags. I had one inside the other. And I put on two snowmobile suits, one over the other. My dad's over my own. And I built a little fire, which went out promptly. And I laid down on the hard ground. And I kept thinking, this might work. And it never did. I didn't sleep a wink that night. And it's dark. And then it's darker. And then it's darker still. And then you hear a twig snap. And then nothing more. The sun comes up in the east, right? And I think that way is east. You're good at that when you're 17. But then I noticed way, way, way into the night that if I look to the west, there were some clouds forming through the opening of my lean-to, and I saw a pink reflection on clouds in the west. The sun hadn't even come up yet, hadn't even dawned yet, but I could still see some kind of a grayish pink glow in the west, and I knew the sun was going to rise in the east. Christ's coming is the promised dawn of the sun of brightness and of day. Everything is benighted chaos before that. In the world, world history, and in your life. I hope you're not living in benighted chaos right now. I hope your thought life and directions your mind goes. I hope your finances and your health and your relationships and your walk with Christ or your knowledge of Him. I hope your, your certainty of, of heaven and of the 
family that you've been adopted into and the home that awaits you before God. I hope none of that is under benighted chaos. I hope there is, in fact, a beautiful, powerful, indomitable, invincible steadiness and sweetness and certainty to your relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That all of these blessings and many more are yours. You have freedom from the condemnation of the law. You have a new identity and you have new names within that identity and you have a new family that you can enjoy, a family that you want to be around and you want to share with and and, and a longing to be with all those who are among your new family as they gather around the throne of God's glory in the new heavens. Christ is the glowing on the western horizon of light that's just about to break on the eastern horizon. The eyes of faith can look right now into a very dark world that seems to be by the day getting darker still and see on the western clouds the hues signaling the light of Christ is about to dawn. Maybe there's warm sunrise glow on your life because the light of Christ is about to dawn anew in your life. May you be able to say with all those of faith who are not fools, they are not idiots, they are not blind, they are not unwilling to look at facts as honestly as they must. They see the horrors everywhere and yet because they can see the glow upon the clouds even in the west, knowing the, the Son of God is about to burst forth from the east, they can say, if all will be well, then right now, All is well. For all things do and shall work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God is supremely glorified by the birth of His Son and His pleasure and peace rest on all those on whom he has set it, as the angels sang. And you may have noticed, as Paul's letter to the Galatians was read, that the time in which the Son of God was born to Mary and Joseph was called the fullness of time. The fullness of time. What that means is, B.C. is over. The year of our Lord and the whole world basks, whether it realizes it or not, in the dawn, the new light of day in the birth of Christ. And until the Lord returns a second time, there is time yet for the coming and the receiving of faith. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for Galatians, and I thank you for Christmas Eve. I thank you for the privilege of seeking you and the glory that you possess and mean to give to all who come to you by faith. We, as it were, open our hands and we say, I'm yours, Lord. My life and my family, my marriage, my parents, my friends, my co-workers and my job, my calling, my body, my finances, my hopes and my dreams, everything I am is yours. You have given to me in Christ new freedom, new identity, and a new family. And I give you back all that I have to give myself.
I receive you, Lord, just as you have received me. I believe in you, just as you have made yourself clear and known to me. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and those by live stream who are watching right now that if they have not yet trusted Christ, that this Christmas Eve 2021 would be their new birth in Christ. And they would trust you just now and simply say that two-word prayer to you in all sincerity, I'm yours. Lord, help us now to respond to your word with sober clarity of mind, seeing all the need around us and yet all the while trusting you for your promise that the light has dawned in Christ and that he will come again a second time just as he has come the first time to complete the work of salvation that he's begun. Give us faith to sing with all our hearts and to believe at the depths of our souls that all is well because you are on the throne. In Christ's name we pray and now sing. Amen.